Welcome back to the one, the only, you know it, you somewhat love it, the little podcast that could, People Are Wild. Another week finds me, Kim, your friendly neighborhood ER nurse, behind the mic, working towards bringing you another great episode. Now, as usual, some follow-up corrections and or observations to take care of first. Okay, this has been on my mind, like, for a while. So if you like mayonnaise, you need to learn to love yourself. I cannot stand mayo, okay? And if you enjoy it with its bland taste and awful texture, I'll tell you what, I'll do you a favor. I'll call up an Uber that will take both you and Hosier to church because you need the Lord in your life. Mayonnaise is horrible, and I always spell it wrong in its full form, so that in and of itself is awful. It's an abomination to the world of condiments in general. So it's what I, it's like I always say to people, um, if you want to practice safe lunch, use a condiment, but not mayo. Now, moving on, I hopefully fixed all of my recording issues from last week, so thank you for bearing with me. Um, this kind of was a little bit of a move around sort of thing, so hopefully we are back on track. I did mention to you all last week at a somewhat lower volume that... February is going to have a theme, the theme, 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 but does not have dumps like a truck, truck, truck. So February in the United States is American Heart Month, uh, Heart Health Month, I should say. And I'm going to actually pull my best Missy Elliott and put my theme down, flip it and reverse it and make this an international heart health month. I have planted this seed and I speak it into existence. So This week, starting with this week, and through every week of this month of February, I will devote it to a heart-related topic and share with you some experiences that are unique to the ER with regards to those topics or conditions. Uh, I hope to provide knowledge and shed some light to some of the issues and conditions and sort of just interesting things uh, you might not know the whole story about, so this should be fun for both you and me. So, I have lit my Oprah prayer candle, listened to the Backstreet Boys quit playing games with my heart on a loop repeat for an hour, so I am ready, if you are ready, to talk about how people are wild. Let me preface that this whole topic today comes with a bit of a warning. It might get graphic at some points, that's just sort of the nature of the beast, so I just want to put that out there right now. As I get more involved and the story kind of moves a little bit more fast, I guess, uh, I will give you another heads up and I'll do a little bit of of the cut um, because that's something apparently that I do. And I also want to preface that this is all based on what I have been taught, educated, practiced, and performed in the training I've received over the past decade and then some through the American Heart Association. So just keep that in mind uh, as we go on. So let's get on with it. Ella Davis could not remember the last time that she had a whole holiday weekend off from work. It was a rare treat. And she could not really remember the last time that both she and her husband of 10 years, Tim, who went by the name TC, the machine from college, stupid nickname, had the same holiday weekend off as her. Figures that they would still be running late, 
as TC was trying to find all of his baseball gear while she and their eight-year-old firecracker of a son that they lovingly loved to call Maddie waited in the family van. Maddie was telling Ella all about the things he was excited to see at the park that night. See, it was 4th of July weekend, and the local park and surrounding areas had been holding an Independence Day festival. And TC was actually playing a game with his rec league that night, and then later on in the night, fireworks were supposed to be going off. And Maddie just loved to watch his dad play baseball. Of course, Maddie would idolize watching his father do anything, no matter what it was. TC could have been ironing, and Maddie would try and imitate him. Their son was a spitting image of, the, of his father, but luckily, his intuition and intelligence seemed to be patterned off of his mother. To be fair, TC was no dummy. After all, he had been working hard at his job and was a loyal deputy of the sheriff's department. But TC had an impulsive streak, and it was balanced out by Ella. Ella was the more level-headed and logical one of the relationship. TC always told people that there was a reason why she was the better half, and Ella never disagreed. They both knew that he was 100% right in his observation. She was a 911 dispatcher. Her job was to keep calm, cool, and collected in order to help others navigate their emergencies that they were encountering. She was the voice on the other end of a phone line that could mean the difference literally between life and death. Now, 14 years ago, she had just started on that job when she was introduced to TC on a blind date that she went on as a favor to her friend. It went horribly. TC ended up having a huge allergic reaction to the food he was eating. And I don't know if you guys remember in that movie Hitch, but when Will Smith's character, well, Hitch, ended up uh, having that allergic reaction and he got sort of drunk and loopy from all the liquid Benadryl that he was imbibing, I guess. Um, it was hilarious and it was comedic and it was so funny. That, unfortunately, didn't happen to TC. See... What happened to TC was that Ella had remained calm and collected while giving him a shot, of e a shot from his EpiPen and then proceeded to call an ambulance and ride with him to the ER. They ended their first date with TC being undressed before Ella into a hospital gown as the staff around them continued to monitor his vitals and his status before he was actually medically cleared to go home that night. Now, strange enough, in the hours that had passed while they were waiting, Ella never once felt like she wanted to leave, and TC felt grateful that somebody was staying with him, and initially a little bit guilty, but as the easy back and forth carried on between the two of them, they figured that something deeper was actually developing. Two years later, they were married, and a few years after that, they had an expansion pack in the game of life in the form of their son, Matthew, who they called Maddie. As Ella drove her two boys, she to the sorry, Ella drove her two boys to the field, she unconsciously put her hand to her abdomen for a moment. She had taken a pregnancy test, or five, over the past week after missing two periods, and with a small smile on her face, she knew that tonight she was going to tell TC that their trio was about to become a quartet soon enough. The whole image of what she would tell her husband, and then later their son, was sweet enough to give anyone diabetes. But she was truly excited and looking forward to experiencing a few sets of fireworks in more ways than one tonight. 
As Ella and Maddie sat in the stands next to a few of the other few of the significant others and families uh, of some of the other players, TC was starting to loosen up and warm up on the field with his teammates. He gave a quick wave to his little family unit before jogging a bit to keep himself limber and ready to go before the game started. He had been playing with the Sheriff's Rec League since before they had Maddie. Ella had always tried to catch all of their games when her schedule permitted and when Maddie's schedule permitted as well. TC had fun playing with his friends, some of whom ha- some of whom who had retired from the job previously but still played with the league. And it was kind of a nice way to get a workout in a different way. For his job, TC was always held to a physical fitness standard and was regularly tested to make sure that he was fit for duty. TC had no health problems aside from occasional seasonal allergies, and when he was younger, he broke his arm once. Other than that, he was lucky, never having to take any medicine for anything or needing surgery to fix anything either. He was young enough, he was only 36 after all, and very much able to do his job and excel at it. Even his genetics were kind to him. No one in his family had any major heart problems or lung problems or even cancer. Both of his parents were still very much alive and very healthy. Thankfully, living on the opposite coast of where he was, no risk of the dreaded pop-in visits. Ooh, they give me the willies. TC was kind of lost in thought as he was working out with his teammates to get ready. When suddenly one of them patted him on the back and motioned for him to head out to the dugout as the game was about to get underway. As per his ritual, whenever they both came and actually watched him play a game, before anything else happened on the field, TC would run over to the stands and Ella would hold up Maddie, who would give TC a big hug. That was his good luck charm, he always said. But tonight, as he jogged back from getting his hug from Maddie, He stopped for a second for some reason, jogged back to the bleachers, and embraced and hugged Ella before heading back over to the dugout. Ella was blushing a little bit about this somewhat public display of affection that her husband had just done, even though everybody in the stands was pretty much their friends. It was just a nice gesture by TC. And a nice breeze began to blow, Ella noticed. The weather outside was lovely not too hot for a summer evening, not stormy or cloudy either. It was Goldilocks. It was just right. Maddie, who was a handful, loved to run around, and while he was trying his hardest to stay relatively still with Ella, he was starting to squirm by the end of the second inning. Noticing this was not only Ella, but two of the baseball wags who had become two of her closest friends over the years. Bailey Parnell and Nancy Ellers both had husbands in the league, and the three women also had formed a friendship outside of the baseball field of dreams. If you build it, they will come, begrudgingly to your games. Between the three women, at every game, one would volunteer to take all of their kids over to the playground area. Bailey was up today for playground monitoring. Get it? Mom monitoring? The puns never stop. High-quality humor. Upon seeing Maddie moving about like he quite literally had ants in his pants and sizing up that their kids were also growing more restless, Bailey decided that now was a good time to take them over to the play area and get out some of that energy. 
Ella and Nancy gave Bailey some money should the kids want anything to eat or drink, even though Bailey tried to wave them off. It always evened out between the three of them anyways. Maddie started to run over when Bailey had her- started sorry, Maddie started to run over when Bailey had herded all the kids up before then stopping, turning back and running back to his mom to give her a big hug. That sweet, sweet boy, Ella thought as she watched him start to play with his friends. He is way too much like his father. By the bottom of the fourth inning, TC and his team were up by two runs and TC was up to bat. There was only one out and one of his teammates was currently on second for the time being. After the first two pitches, the count was one ball and one strike. TC focused his mind as he prepared for the next pitch. He swung and it made contact with the ball. It went right out of the reach of the shortstop, and TC took off for first. The outfield was scrambling for a second before getting a grip on the ball. His teammate had just safely managed to cross home plate. TC himself was cranking his arms and pumping his legs, sprinting towards second. And as he approached the base, he had a split second to see the baseball launch from the outfield, headed his direction. He was going to get out of the way to still make the play towards second and be safe, but he never made it to second that day. Ella had just seen it all happen from the bleachers, and it was as if her whole world screeched to a halt and then hit fast forward simultaneously. Speaking of screech, do you remember how in Saved by the Bell, Zach used to freeze frame and talk to me? Not you. He was talking to me the whole time. Well, Ella felt as though someone had freeze framed her life in that moment, and she wished Zach Morris would be talking to her because what she just saw happening to TC, she could never erase. As he had attempted to get to second base and she was trying to figure out a joke about him trying to reach second base and failing, he suddenly collapsed and dropped down to the field, motionless. Because, see, TC couldn't have made out that the baseball was making a trajectory course right into his chest. But everyone in the stands saw him when he got hit right in the chest and dropped suddenly to the field. It was the thump heard around the world. The second baseman on the other team looked down and was the first person to realize that something was wrong. Really wrong. He leaned over TC for only a second or so. He's not breathing, he yelled, as more people from both dugouts trickled onto the field. Ella was stuck to her spot for a moment before her mind and body got back in sync, and she started moving down the bleachers. Nancy had been a little bit quicker from reacting, with reacting from the thump, and got over to TC rather quickly before a lot of the other players did. See, the thing is, Nancy happened to be a nurse, as was Bailey. Both of them worked in the local hospital in the intensive care unit. See, us nurses were everywhere. And Bailey, speaking of, who had heard the commotion, was starting to make her way back to the field with all the kids. Nancy had, cra- or had crouched down by TC, Placed her, fing- placed her fingers on his neck where she should be able to feel a pulse. It was only for a few seconds, no more than ten, which seemed like an eternity, before she announced, he's got no pulse. Looking up, she noticed Bailey was now right across from her. Bailey, you need to call 911. I'm going to start CPR. Bailey had already begun to take her phone out halfway through Nancy's sentence and nodded before telling everyone else to head back up for a bit back up a bit from TC. There was a crowd forming around them and they needed to start working and doing what they do best. 
Bailey also asked somebody to see if they could find the nearest AED. That's an automated external defibrillator. And bring it back to the field as soon as possible. Now, let's just take a step back from this story. You've probably walked by AEDs and maybe you didn't even realize it. If you've ever been to a church, airport, gym, movie theater, or even some restaurants in the past mm, decade or so, chances are you've walked by an AED. It's that funny looking box on the wall that usually has a heart symbol and kind of like a lightning bolt on it. And usually there's the letters AED on it. It's a lightweight portable device that can identify lethal heart rhythms and deliver a shock to terminate this abnormal rhythm and allow the heart's normal rhythm to resume. AEDs are simple to operate. In fact, a lot of models provide voice-directed, step-by-step instructions, sort of like Siri or Alexa, and thus bystanders, as well as healthcare providers, can attempt defibrillation safely in a variety of settings. Now, back to our story. On the baseball field, 911 had already been called. Nancy had her hands braced in the correct spot on TC's chest to start CPR. With one hand on top of the other, her fingers interlocked, she was about to do a motion she had practiced and performed multiple times in the intensive care unit of the hospital. But this would be a first. This time, she was doing this to her friend. Now, PSA. This next bit might be slightly graphic, but doesn't go on for too long. Consider it the cut, but like a mini cut, where you can skip ahead just by a little bit and catch up with me as the story continues towards a happy ending. I can assure you, this will be a happily ever after. So Nancy was taking a breath to steady her nerves as she placed her hands on the lower half and just above the end of TC's breastbone. As she pushed down hard, she felt the feeling she would never get used to. See, here's something you have to know about doing CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, effectively. You're going to have to break some ribs along the way. You have to. See, as you push hard and fast and allow time for complete chest recoil, you are pushing blood through the body. And with every compression, that is a that is. That is how you save a person's life. The up motion of the compression, the chest recoil part, allows for the heart to fill. And as blood is pooling, it's just sitting there. It's waiting to go somewhere. And the down motion of a compression gets the blood flowing again and moving throughout the person's body. So if you don't allow the chest to fully recoil, you're reducing the filling of the heart between compressions and then you are reducing the blood flow created by chest compressions. With CPR, given proper training, if breathing is compromised, you are also becoming the lungs, and you need to do a little bit more interventions with that. Now, that's important when there's no pulse, no heartbeat, no breathing, and there's a whole step-by-step that you go through with that. So in order to do actual compressions and get the heart pumping, you can't trust any of that Gray's Anatomy or, God help us all, the resident bullshit CPR. Real talk, it is an arm workout. You push hard, you push fast, you break ribs. 
And you feel it and hear it when you break them. And it's super weird. And I have never gotten used to it. And I probably never will. And I have worked my fair share of code blue CPR situations in the ER and ICU. Now, I'm pretty sure that I make the same face whenever I have to break ribs. And you hear that crack and you feel it underneath your hands. It's like a snap, crackle, pop that, you know, Rice Krispies would never, ever endorse. The face that I make, like, it never fails, but the face that I make whenever I have to do this is like, you know when you walk into a room after someone lets one rip and totally crop dusted right in front of you? That look of disgust at how gross that person is in terms of who just farted in front of you, that look is basically what I just, I just start with and then it just stays on my face until we start getting more and more into the compressions. Uh, But every single time when you crank down on a chest and you crack some ribs, you're actually probably doing CPR right, more than likely. In fact, when people say that they did CPR to someone um, who they started CPR maybe at their house or at a baseball field, somewhere outside of the hospital, and that patient comes in and we don't necessarily see any injury to their ribs or bruising on their chest you just automatically begin to wonder about whether or not that patient actually received high-quality, effective CPR. So let's go back to the baseball field. Nancy and Bailey are taking turns switching who is doing CPR because here's something else you need to know about CPR. Not only is it a full-body, intense workout, it's exhausting to do by yourself. No, seriously. It's like you got to factor in your adrenaline is pumping more than a contestant on Fear Factor who is about to be submerged in a bug coffin underwater. And that can carry you, but it can only do so much. So the American Heart Association, or AHA, has actually adjusted their guidelines to reflect that 30 compressions for every two breaths over uh, two minutes, you keep doing that 30 to 2, 30 to 2 over two minutes, for those trained in CPR or providing 100 to 120 chest compressions per minute for those not trained in CPR increases the percentage of survivability and resuscitation for that victim. Now, the AHA goes on to say that they've determined that after two minutes of high-quality, effective CPR, there is a downslope. And the quality of compressions from a rescuer will start to decline after two minutes due to fatigue and exhaustion. Compressions are no joke. It's not uncommon to be sore later in the day like you just did like the craziest CrossFit wad you've ever done. Or even the next day after everything kind of like that adrenaline wears off, you get like this full body soreness sometimes from doing compressions during a code. Um... I would totally love to see what somebody's Fitbit calorie like burn is when they're doing CPR to somebody. That would be an interesting one, I think, to just make a note of. So as we go back to the baseball field, Nancy initially started the compressions. Now, by the time Bailey got off the phone with 911, it was time for Nancy to switch out with Bailey. Two minute mark was a go. And the sheriff's deputies who were playing with in the rec league playing the game, those officers actually knew basic first aid and CPR. And they themselves had already started to volunteer 
in terms of swapping out for who would do chest compressions after Bailey would swap out Nancy on this two-minute mark. You see, this wasn't just their friend or co-worker who lay motionless. TC was their brother. And if the Fast and the Furious taught me anything, it's that, one, live your life one quarter mile at a time, and two, you don't turn your back on family. Oh, rest in peace, Paul Walker, you baby blue-eyed soul in the sky. Now, it seemed like forever, but it was not even five minutes before paramedics and firefighters had arrived at the baseball field carrying their equipment. Being as they were standing by for the Independence Day Festival at a medical tent anyways, they already had heard the call dispatched, and they had an ambulance nearby for any of the festival goers who might need medical assistance. So they actually had an extremely rapid response to the field. And so as the medics arrived on scene, a deputy had already taken over for Bailey's compressions. So if you're keeping track of time, TC's heart at this point had been stopped for four minutes. Bailey had made her way over to Ella, who was standing slightly behind Nancy, as Nancy was beginning to tell the medics on scene just exactly what happened to TC. Ella herself had been watching the CPR in progress on her husband. This was probably the longest four minutes of her life. Ella had, had moved closer, or at least as close as she could, to TC as everybody else started to work on her husband. The great thing was, some of the other members of the teams had kind of corralled the kids, including Maddie, and started playing a game of catch with them on a nearby field, out of view of what was going on. Bailey had kept her hand on her friend's shoulder as Ella was trying to absorb everything in front of her. The medics at this point had cut off TC's shirt in order to place the pads on his chest that were connected to their defibrillator. The medics had taken over compressions at this point while the defibrillator analyzed if it was able to shock TC's heart. When its voice prompted announcing, when its voice prompt announced that a shock was advised and that it was charging, the medics stopped and made sure that they weren't in contact with TC's body before the shock was delivered. After all, you don't want to accidentally end up unconscious yourself. And quick side note, this actually happened in one of the ERs where I used to work. A doctor tried to reach for something and ended up coming coming into contact, like skin to skin contact, with um, the patient that we were doing CPR on, and they just they they came just at the right time where we were delivering the shock, and the doc actually ended up knocked out on the floor right beside the patient. Now that doctor was fine. The patient actually we brought back too. Um, so it was a two for two on that one, but we never let that doc live that one down and it became a running joke during the codes to like not pull that move. Um, they know who they are. If they're ever listening to this, you know who you are. Back on the baseball field, the medic announced, I'm clear, you're clear, all clear, and pressed the button. TC's arms moved a little involuntarily as the shock was being delivered. You see, it's not really as dramatic as Hollywood might make you believe when you send voltage into a person's body doing a defibrillation. Um, I wish it was, but it's not. Sometimes, though, it can't... Well, sometimes it actually is a little dramatic, but most of the time it's not. They'll do sort of a twitch with their arm, or sometimes they'll do a little bit of a lurch with their chest, but you really don't get, like, that full body, like, 
flatliner sort of thing. Um, although sometimes you do end up lighting someone's chest hair on fire from delivering a shock, that's a completely different story for a completely different time. Singed hair smells gross. Now, the medics had resumed CPR, having switched out who was doing compressions after the shock had been delivered. Another medic had started working on getting IV access into TC in order to give him medicine. They also were beginning to prepare to put in a breathing tube that would help to provide rescue breaths to TC continuously without having to stop during the compressions in order to provide those breaths. Their AED mode on their defibrillator was keeping time on the situation and began analyzing again around the two-minute mark to see if another shock was advised. So here's a neat thing. Some AEDs actually have like this metronome feature that keeps an audible rate, an actual metronome, for the rescuer to keep pace with for their compressions. So that's kind of a neat thing. Now, when the AED analyzed TC's heart this time around, a shockable rhythm was advised and detected, and the medics kept doing compressions while the machine was charging. Once it was fully charged, they cleared everybody, and another shock was delivered, and in that instant, TC's heart was pumping again. The medics worked fast on getting him stabilized further for transportation to the hospital. He was still unconscious, and his breathing needed to be assisted by the tube that they had just placed, but his heart was beating again. For two days, TC was in a medically induced coma. Doctors constantly checked his neurological status to see if he would have any brain damage. They also monitored his heart to see if he had sustained any permanent injury or damage to that as well. And Ella, she was a near permanent fixture in his room in the ICU during those two days. A few, 90, of his fellow officers came by to see him and keep Ella company. Yeah, like 90 of these guys came in. Nancy had actually been working over the two nights in a different part of the unit, but took her meal break to be with Ella to keep her company, and she seriously appreciated that. As for Maddie, he was only eight, so hospital policy, policy had dictated that he wasn't really allowed into the ICU to see his dad and his mom. And Ella was really, really grateful in a weird way for that. She only had to stress out for a second before Bailey and her family stepped up and made sure that Maddie stayed with them while Ella stayed with TC. There were so many unknowns that remained on the line when the doctor started to wake up TC on the morning of day three. Waking up was disorienting to him since he had no clue what had happened, where he was, or how he got there. His eyes darted around the room, but when he saw Ella, he relaxed instantly. She was there. She was okay. He'll be okay. And he felt calm for about a second until he realized that Maddie wasn't there. But as if she could read her husband's mind, Ella told TC that Maddie was fine and it was TC who was the problem child. When he finally got filled in on what had happened, TC couldn't believe that it was true until he went to laugh or cough. And then he realized that, yeah, Nancy definitely broke those ribs to get his heart pumping. And even though he was weak from having some ribs broken and the bruising on his chest, 
he was able to slowly but surely start walking around the unit later on that day. He was discharged after a total of four days in the hospital, and his prognosis was good. He had no brain damage that they had observed in their tests, and aside from the broken ribs and bruising to the chest, he had no heart damage. He was expected to make a full recovery. It was a freak accident. It hit just at the right nanosecond of time for that heart to stop beating, but he was expected to make a full recovery. And that's exactly what TC did. He returned to work full-time a few months later, and their family happily welcomed their second child shortly thereafter. Thanks to immediate action and rapid initiation of CPR, TC Davis is a proud survivor of sudden cardiac arrest. Now that story is an amalgamation, word of the day, of a lot of different stories that I have encountered as a nurse and that I have heard from some other doctors that I worked with. There is just great survivor stories from people who have had CPR initiated on them rapidly. You see, CPR saves lives. In the ER, we have a saying, and it goes like this. CPR is like sex. Even bad CPR is better than no CPR. So it should be noted that there is a sequence to doing CPR. There's an algorithm for that, Mark Zuckerberg. It actually helps to keep a person calm and in control when you're about to do CPR and you're faced with this unconscious, unresponsive person in front of you. You kind of think back to your training, you think back to this algorithm, you think back to your sequence, and you can do it. When you teach people to recognize an emergency, you give them the tools to have the power in reacting to the emergency, they will react empowered instead of helpless. So let's break down the sequence that happened to TC. He dropped because of suffering a hit to the chest by a baseball that hit at the perfect moment that stopped his heart. His heart no longer pumped regularly. And that is a sudden cardiac arrest. So what happens in a sudden cardiac arrest is that suddenly the organ that pumps you up, your heart, stops working. The heart has developed an abnormal rhythm as a result. So sometimes it actually will stop completely or it goes into a rhythm where it can no longer pump but it just kind of quivers, I guess. And it leaves the heart unable to do its job, which is to pump blood to things like your brain, your lungs, and other organs. Now, within seconds, that person will become completely unresponsive and unconscious and might not be able to breathe for themselves. Death will occur rapidly if the victim does not receive immediate life-saving treatment. There are many causes of sudden cardiac arrest, ranging from existing heart arrhythmia to being hit in the chest with a baseball. But regardless of the underlying condition, without CPR, it's estimated that 92% of people experiencing sudden cardiac arrest die. And every minute that CPR is delayed, the survival rate decreases. In TC's case, CPR was immediately initiated by trained bystanders. 911 was contacted at the same time, 
and someone was actively trying to locate an AED all within a couple minutes of TC's heart stopping. Paramedics and firefighters arrived rapidly to the scene, took over compressions, and then were able to shock TC's heart back into a normal rhythm. So if you time it from start to finish, if you actually look it up, right, if you do the math, TC, from the second that the thump heard around the world and his heart stopped to the second it regained its rhythm and it started to pump again, it took, what, less than 10 minutes, right? Maybe 15? I can't really do math that well sometimes if I don't have a calculator. I'm part of that generation. But the thing is, it didn't take long for his heart to start start pumping again because of the sequence of what was happening and who was contacted and the wheels that were in motion. Now, there are some cool resources out there that people should be aware of that I will make you aware of now. Um, there are actually some pretty nifty videos and websites and even apps put out by various American Heart Association or Red Cross organizations that have revolutionized bystander-initiated CPR. In fact, I know of five-year-olds that know to do the hands-only, compressions-only CPR uh, that was taught to them starting in preschool, I guess, and then reinforced at home by their parents. So it's been really kind of amazing to see that we are teaching people, teaching kids at a young age to recognize things that aren't right and react in a way that's going to help to save a life. So let's kind of break down a little bit of why this is so important to have five-year-olds learning how to do CPR. 75 to 85% of sudden cardiac arrest occurs at home. Translation, 75 to 85% of sudden cardiac arrest will occur to someone you know, someone you love. So this is my plea. Do yourself a favor and take a course in CPR because your hands can literally save someone's life. And that means you're going to have super amazing, always in, in place, bragging rights forever, point blank, period. What a badass you are. But even if you can't, for whatever reason, take a course in CPR, don't fear you can still be a badass. There are a few apps that will actually send uh, nearby medical providers an alert that CPR is needed in their local area, and they can respond to that scene, which uh, then helps sort of alleviate maybe you freezing up, or if you don't know what's going on, if you have this app, you can actually kind of do sort of like an uber in a way send out that beacon and like have medical personnel nearby start to intervene while 911 is already in the process of coming to an area now i always thought that this would be good for rural areas or areas where weather might make it a delay in ambulances responding but then i realized even if you live in the city traffic can delay a medical response so having this app uh, to send up, you know, this message to local healthcare providers who might be nearby, they might be able to start CPR and start saving and intervening on somebody's life uh, before an ambulance can get there readily. So 
it's this really cool app. I should probably name it, right? Uh, it's called Pulse Point. I don't work for the AHA. I do not work for the Red Cross in any way. I don't work for Pulse Point, but it's something that you might want to check out because it's so neat to be able to just use your smartphone in this way to help somebody out, even if you can't physically help them out for whatever reason. Um, so it's definitely something that maybe people should at least give a once over and kind of look at and maybe install on their phone. The Red Cross and American Heart Association also have their own apps that are structured around CPR and first aid and um, survivor readiness or emergency preparedness as well that you might want to check out. But if all else fails, you can always call 911 and they'll actually step you through CPR hands-only compression CPR specifically. Now, speaking of ambulances and calling 911 for help, that's actually the reason why compression-only bystander CPR was started. It was developed with the mission to making more and more bystanders, aka the people who don't have healthcare training or health provider training, um, that they would also be able to initiate life-saving interventions through a modified version of CPR. Again, bad CPR is better than no CPR, just like sex. So basically, they took out the mouth-to-mouth -mouth part and made CPR all new again and sexy and attractive to more people, I guess. Uh, like, if the CPR, if CPR of old went on that, what is it called, that show, uh, The Swan, and it's the, you remember that one? It's the one where uh, people's so-called friends uh, signed up these women to go on the show and they covered up all the mirrors that were around and they gave them like these massive amounts of plastic surgery and then held them in quarantine, I guess, for three months. Oh, no, they were healing and going to quote unquote therapy sessions. And then they put them all together against each other in the beauty pageant in order to be crowned the swan. Yeah, it was a real show. You should probably look it up. Uh, reality TV was amazing back in the day. So that's kind of what the AHA did. They took this old, busted up version of CPR and made it all attractive and beautiful for lay people and people who don't have hospital training to initiate, again, life-saving interventions. So the AHA did back this up with research and they took a kind of like all this, these polls and this data, and they realized that people were hesitant to learn CPR um, because of that whole mouth-to-mouth -mouth part of it. And they were concerned about transmitting anything that they were not aware of through their saliva. And let me tell you this, it doesn't just become a concern for bystanders. It's a concern for everyone. I get concerned about that. But as a nurse, I know a little bit better, so I actually carry a pocket mask in order to, I guess, you know, in the event somebody needs CPR, I can just, like, deploy it real fast, like the scene from Airplane where she pulls on the, the life jacket and it just puffs out. Like, it's, that's not what the mask does, but I like to have it on me at all times, and it's a little collapsible, disposable, one-time use only a device that creates a barrier between my mouth and a victim's mouth, but you can still facilitate giving them rescue breaths um, during your CPR. So 
Most people outside of the medical world probably don't carry this around in their purse or their backpack or their fanny packs. Um, fanny packs are making a comeback, you guys. I'm going to make them come back all by myself if I have to. But if you want one, you can actually get them online. They're super affordable. Uh, I would suggest getting at least two so you can open up one and be familiar with how to use it. Because you don't really want to just like carry one and then not really know how to use it if somebody needs CPR. Um, but if you really don't want to kind of get all that CPR training, um, again, 911 will step you through doing just the compression only CPR. You still are able to make a difference even in that way. Because research has shown that after just six minutes, a brain deprived of oxygen can be irreversibly damaged. If another four minutes goes by, death is nearly certain. Now, in order to get oxygen to the brain, you have to get blood pumping through the body. You gotta do those good chest compressions. And 911, if you call them, will ask you to put them on speaker and they'll coach you throughout doing these compressions. And they'll tell you where to put your hands and to count out loud. And they'll kind of keep you on pace. Now, here's a kind of a cool thing that the AHA has found and is kind of initiated as part of their whole bystander hands only thing is using the song Staying Alive by the Bee Gees um, will help you to keep the right cadence and the right pace to provide consistent and effective compressions. Um, but if that's not your cup of tea, the AHA actually has a playlist for other CPR songs that will match up to the right pace and rate that you should be doing compressions to. And I just find this one kind of funny. I probably shouldn't, uh, is that on their CPR playlist is another one bites the dust. So I guess depending on how you feel about the person you're doing CPR on, choose your tune, see if you want to go staying alive or another one bites the dust. But that's your own choice. That is your own choose your own adventure. And if you're anything like me, sometimes you read ahead on those books and you just screwed yourself over. And I don't know, I just didn't want to accept my own fate, I guess. So that's somewhat of a brief all over the place, maybe overview of CPR and how CPR does save lives. So I kind of wanted to do that first and foremost in order to kick off the International Heart Health Month that is February. Um, since we've come to the end of the episode per usual, I will wrap it up with a game of You Got What Stuck Where. In it, I give you four clues. You tweet to me at People Are Wild with your guess. Um, and if you're the first person who is most correct... I send you some stickers that are delightful and lovely and not at all weird. So here we go. Clue one. This happened in Mexico during a bar fight. Yes, we are going south into the south. We are going down the border. I, got, I don't know. Is it down the border? Maybe not. Whatever. Uh, clue two. The object in question was lodged in the victim's skull. Ew, that's bad. Clue three. The victim was able to walk into the emergency room and was so polite to staff that he earned the nickname The Gentleman. And clue four, he more than likely ended up needing a tetanus booster shot. So, those are your four clues. 
you tweet to me at people are wild with your guests and i will usually what i do is whoever guesses it most correct not only do you get stickers but i post the picture of what got stuck where and this one's a doozy this week, so I am excited to share with you guys once we get that correct answer. Now, next week is Valentine's Day week, so I've got a super interesting topic to share with you that I am very excited, super stoked about, and trust me, it's going to be perfect for Valentine's Day. Also, thank you for sticking with me and listening to this show Um, Your support is amazing, and I am constantly grateful for each and every one of you. Interacting with you guys on Twitter has been a blast. I look forward to doing it more. Um, And I think maybe I will try and do a little bit more bonus-odes about what it actually means to be a travel nurse. I know a lot of people have asked me about that, so um, that might be something coming soon that you have to look forward to. So have a fantastic week ahead. Live your best lives and think about signing up for a CPR class.